Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, the long road ahead for zero trust at the Pentagon, and taking the first steps on your organization's zero trust journey. It's Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast, where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. The National Institutes of Standards and Technology is working on, quote, potential significant updates to its cybersecurity framework. NIST released a concept paper Thursday outlining the proposed changes and opened them to public feedback over the next few weeks. The newly formed Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health has a leader for IT. Kevin Duvall was named Acting Chief Information Officer and Chief Technology Officer of ARPA-H. The department is modeled after the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA, and seeks to lead the way on various health research breakthroughs. The Defense Department's Office of the Director for Operational Test and Evaluation is citing resource and personnel shortfalls as the main contributor to the lack of adequate cyber test capabilities across the department. The fiscal year 2022 report from DOT&E attributes the rapid loss of talent to private industry. You can read more about these stories and more at fedscoop.com. Top cybersecurity leaders from government and industry are coming to the Zero Trust Summit next month. You'll hear how agencies are adopting Zero Trust and modernizing their security postures. It's happening at the International Spy Museum on February 23rd from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And you can learn more and register now at fedscoop.com. The Department of Defense aims to fully implement Zero Trust by 2027. The Pentagon will be tracking agencies' budgets to make sure they're spending enough money to meet that deadline. Randy Resnick is director of DOD's Zero Trust Portfolio Management Office, and in this interview with Scoop News Group's Wyatt Cash, Resnick explains how the department is going about their journey to Zero Trust. The Zero Trust Portfolio Office uh, established itself uh, basically in February 2022. So we've been in business uh, 10 months, 11 months, less than a year. Uh, In that last year, uh, my team and uh, uh, agency personnel from external, uh, like from NSA and DISA, we all got together and we started thinking, how do we actually build? Where do we start in the Zero Trust journey? Uh, So what we were able to do is to define zero trust in a DOD sense, uh, not based on uh, a checklist, but based on outcomes. So coming from uh, uh, an understanding of how the adversary attacks DOD networks, um, why do zero trust? For the DOD, what we need to do is to stop the adversary from uh, exploiting our systems and getting into our networks. And so the end game for zero trust for us uh, was to frustrate, slow down, contain, or stop the adversary. So that was our North Star. And then from the North Star, we worked backwards. Uh, using the seven pillar model, uh, which everybody is familiar with, that's been um, uh, pretty much in existence since 2010, we built out uh, uh, the capabilities and the activities, as we call it, the steps, to actually not only define zero trust for the DOD, but then to define the elements that need to be emplaced in the network in order to create this effect 
that I just uh, spoke about, meaning to stop, contain, frustrate, slow down the adversaries' attempts when they do try to get in. And so we believe we established that sort of methodology. Uh, we encapsulated it in the strategy. We did write the strategy. I believe it was uh, released last week or uh, thereabouts on the 22nd, I think. Uh, and we've had tremendous uh, uh, reception on it. We've had over 20,000 downloads just uh, from the DOD CIO library, uh, which is uh, off the charts. Um, and we wrote an implementation plan for how to do that within the DOD to help out the services and the components and the DAFs, meaning the agencies and defense uh, um, um, uh, uh, facilities. Uh, and we believe that the establishment of uh, what to do is clearly laid out there. We don't describe to them the solution, though. We don't say vendor names. We're saying we want to see this effect. We want to see these outcomes. Uh, turns out that there is 91 outcomes for target, target being what we believe would stop or slow down the adversary. Um, and to go beyond target, uh, you can go to what we're calling advanced, uh, which uh, is for certain missions that have very special need to go way beyond target uh, based on their threat model. Really appreciate your lining that out. And that's a remarkable figure of how many downloads in just a matter of days. Everybody is surprised in a good way. That's a good thing. Um, you mentioned the seven primary pillars of zero trust uh, around identity, devices, network, applications, data, et cetera. Um, which are getting the biggest investment priority uh, right now at DOD, would you say? Because uh, obviously you have to do them all, but there is some sequence of events. Would you fill yeah. us in a little uh, on your priorities? There is a sequence of events, uh, but we treat all seven pillars basically the same in terms of priority. That being said, uh, there are certain pillars that uh, due to um, uh, availability of solutions that are already out there in uh, the vendor community, the uh, vendor space, um, the user pillar, the device pillar, and the data pillar uh, are the pillars that are gonna likely be worked first. Not because the technology is there, just as I said, but also because in a way they're foundational. They're almost like the trunk of a tree uh, in order to get to the rest of the pillars. Meaning you have to have a uh, accurate user inventory of who's allowed on your network. You need to have an accurate inventory of which devices you're allowing on the network. And obviously uh, through ZT, uh, not allowing any other device or user onto the network if they're not on your list, your good list. Um, so you need fundamentally sources of truth in order to then take ZT to the next step. So you need to authorize and authenticate users. You need to authorize and authenticate devices. And then when it comes to the data, uh, Right now, data is, uh, uh, is what it is, uh, I don't, uh, but what we need to do in zero trust is get to a point where the data has meaning. In other words, what we're really hard problem that we're facing right now is the data tagging and labeling aspect of it. What kind of data is this? So this way, we can do other pillars of zero trust like analytics on that data. It turns out that there is not a uh, 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 tagging and labeling standard in the DOD, uh, and that's something that the zero trust uh, portfolio office, working with uh, CDAO um, and others in the Pentagon. Uh, this is our top, one of our top priorities to work in um, calendar 23. 
And uh, just any last message for the vendor community about what they should be paying attention to now that this plan is out. So for the DOD, uh, we're seeking and looking for uh, the integration of multiple vendor solutions that overlay or map to the 91 activities that we are um, uh, seeking to be uh, uh, instantiated onto uh, DOD networks. Uh, the portfolio office within the strategy came out with three uh, courses of action. The first one is laying down improvements on the existing networks. Uh, uh, recapitalizing existing IT that's already on and in the uh, networks and then improving it based on what is required for zero trust. We call that the brownfield approach. We would need vendors to help there uh, to fill in those gaps. Um, the other two COAs courses of action are cloud-based. So COA 2 is doing zero trust in commercial clouds. We're working right now uh, with cloud vendors. Um, uh, yesterday was just signed out the JWCC uh, award. It's a really big story. Uh, so you could imagine that we would want to have zero trust in those clouds. Um, uh, so that's what we're trying to do right now, working with those cloud vendors and others to put uh, zero trust in their clouds. What we're going to do this year is to uh, test, pilot test, and red team um, those overlays in their clouds to see if they could resist a friendly cyber attack. And if they can, according to what we're seeking in terms of zero trust, those would likely be uh, uh, the design criteria that DOD CIO would want to see rolled into those clouds. But that's a future thing that we need to prove out this year. And then COA 3, the last COA, is just a private cloud. It's not just a private cloud. It's uh, a built from the ground up uh, uh, DOD design, built, run, managed uh, sort of cloud where it's not commercially run, uh, um, but uh, the government sort of runs it. And that could be both on-prem as well as at a data center. And uh, those are the three options that we see right now. Any combination of the three uh, would be open for the services and DAFAs and anybody else to implement within their, um, within their uh, service. Uh, and they have five years to do it. If you go cloud, you'd likely achieve zero trust uh, if we could prove ZT in the cloud much earlier than five years. If you choose COA 1, you have five years to do it. But nevertheless, we're going to track all that as, uh, as the portfolio office, and we'll help, we'll help them get there to include, uh, as necessary, the resources. If they need dollars in future years, we will be the biggest advocates with them uh, to articulate that need uh, to the department. Well, it sounds like a tremendous amount of momentum is suddenly uh, catching on at the Department of Defense. Uh, so, Randy Resnick, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank really you. appreciate you being here. Really appreciate it. You can learn more about the DOD Zero Trust Strategy at fedscoop.com. Federal agencies are still in the early stages of developing and implementing their Zero Trust strategies. That's according to new research from FedScoop. The survey shows 55% of respondents acknowledge their agency is still assessing zero-trust gaps or only have a baseline of capabilities implemented. In an interview with SNG's Wyatt Cash, Department of Health and Human Services Officer of the Inspector General CIO Gerald Karen discusses the progress his organization has made in adopting zero-trust. 
So a lot, a lot of it started with education um, because there was no focus, and this was before the executive order came out when I first arrived. So there was some education that I had to do around zero trust, and then it was doing the inventory. What is our, what is, where, where are we today? Um, what do I have available that I could leverage that I've already invested in if I didn't spend another penny? And so then we used the Department of Homeland Security's maturity model to kind of help with that, and DOD's. Eight, uh, eight or seven pillars of functional capabilities. And so we rated against all those functional capabilities using that maturity model concept. So then I knew what my as is was. Um, then identified six projects specifically that were foundational projects that I know we had to do that we could build off. And then uh, knowing the as is, knowing that we were gonna undertake those six projects, now we were able to uh, do our roadmap, understand what tools that we had to go out and procure um, and fill those gaps that we didn't have available to us. I, I'm talking with our users, understanding what benefits we can bring to them, how they want to work, and trying to include those requirements as a modernization effort, not just a security effort. So. We've, we've done some procurements now, and now we're starting to actually do some deployment planning and things like that, so kicking off um, some proof of concepts. So we're actually starting where the rubber's meeting the road and actually starting to implement some things. Because um, now we got a good idea and we have our roadmap for the next few years of those projects we have to undertake with our um, maturity where we want to be at the end of those projects. Well, it's a lot to cover, <clears throat> a lot to invest. I'd be curious if you could share a little bit about of the various primary pillars, um, you know, around identity and devices and the network and applications, et cetera, uh, which are probably getting the biggest investment priority right now at your office. So a little bit of each. Um, one of the things is I'm, I'm small, I'm a component of a larger agency, um, and the result of the mission that we have, of course, um, I have to do things separately from the, from the agencies to avoid any conflict of interest. So we're investing in a shared service, um, uh, SOC as a service, uh, DOJ certified by DHS. So we're taking advantage of that. So we'll have full 24 seven monitoring of our environment that we manage, as well as we are doing some investments around identity to mature in some areas that we need to mature and do some automation. And we're doing data mapping, not network mapping, but data mapping. So we're investing in some time and doing a proof of concept around data mapping. And that data mapping is going to allow us to know what normal looks like, where data is, where data flows, because that's what we're trying to protect at the end of the day, uh, who's accessing that data. And then that will allow us to do later on micro segmentation so we can build you know, rather than having that castle and moat, or I like to call it the Tootsie Roll pop uh, security of hard outer shell, self GUI center, now we're putting tighter perimeters around data and understanding what that data is, what, how important that data is, and, and putting the proper protections around that. And then I'm a kind of an inside out kind of person. So I start from the data, which I'm trying to protect, applications facilitate access to the data, then we'll look at applications, what we do around applications. Applications need what? They need devices to sit on, so that will decide what we do with our endpoint, which we're uh, making some shifts there as well. And then endpoints need networks, which ones do I manage, which ones do I don't? We're looking at doing BYOD, so there's different levels of risk there. How do we protect that? Um, do manage applications, and then 
users, right data to the right people at the right time. And then building those risk thresholds and methodologies so we know what telemetry we need to make decisions as we let people in and as they're working should factors change. So we'll be building that methodology as we go forward too, which is one of our foundational projects is starting to integrate all the tools data that we have available to understand what we can leverage to do those calculations of what I call a dynamic risk score or a confidence score. Fantastic. Well, Jerry, Karen, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to share with us some of the things you're working on around Zero Trust at Health and Human Services uh, OIG office. Certainly. Thank you. Thank you. You can learn more about HHS OIG's Zero Trust journey at fedscoop.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. Day of the Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Talk to you again Thursday afternoon. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.